grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good afternoon, everybody. I say afternoon because we're an hour early. I'm not used to this, <laughs> but that's okay. It's great. We got a great guest tonight. My name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. Oh, missed my buttons. See, I'm missing my buttons already. There we go. Ah, there's my buttons. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 35 strong up and down the state, which means if you have a paranormal issue or you think you might have a paranormal issue, we'll put it that way, we're available to help you because we have people in almost every county in California that can come help you. And if they're not in the county, they're two or three counties away. So we're right within range to come and help you. And the best part of it all, it's free. We come out and help for free. We take donations only. Okay? We, we, we want to help you. We want to educate you. That's why we're coming out. All right? So if you do have any paranormal issues, hit me up on the, web, on the radio website at CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com, and I will get back to you. All right? Or hit me up on Facebook. I'm under my name of Facebook, and uh, there's California Haunts on Facebook and all that good stuff. You can find us there. If you're watching today from YouTube... Welcome, especially if you're new, because we're looking for subscribers. We've got almost 250 videos over there, different topics, and uh, I think you'll find some, there's a little, that there's something for everybody over there. So if you would be so kind as to click on the little ghost with the magnifying glass and the Sherlock Holmes hat, that would be great. I'd appreciate it, because we're looking for more and more subscribers. And maybe if you like the show, you can share it too. We like to do it five and five, which means... Share it with, uh, with, five, with five people, five of your friends, loved ones. And then if you hate the show, share it with five of your enemies. It's because we're equal opportunity here. <laughs> anyway, the other thing too with this too is it's my PBS moment. If you listen to the podcast, we just added a donate button. If, if you go to our main podcast page at rss.com, we just added a donate button there. Because you know what? Like I said earlier, California Haunts doesn't take any money for its services. You know, we're just out to help people, just like the radio show. The radio show, I'm, I'm here because I love doing this. I'm a journalist, photojournalist by trade, and this is my gig, right? I'm retired. This is my gig. And so I love having guests on, like the guests we have on tonight. And I love bringing these shows to you guys. But like everything else, I got I to gotta make my payments and pay my bills. So if you guys could find it in your heart to donate, that would be great. So if you're listening to the podcast, you can either do that by hitting the donate button, which takes you to our PayPal page, or go or or for you guys that are watching, you can see that little ticker thing at the bottom, paypal.me at California Haunts. Or if you don't like PayPal, which is the same thing anyway, Venmo. But with Venmo, you just go into Venmo if you have an account, type in California Haunts, and you're there. It's that easy. Tonight, oh my gosh. A lot of people know me. A lot of people don't know me who listen to the show. One thing I did was I spent, uh, what was it? Let me see, almost 15 years taking care of my elderly mom, mother and father. And two different personalities. My, my, my dad died in 2011, but he was sickly. But he ended up passing away at Kaiser. My mother, on the other hand, 
was a different story because she had a stroke about a year after he passed away and the downhill started. And um, we thought we were going to lose her that, I think a year, that year or the year after, because she went into kind of a, a thing where she wasn't responding. So I was feeding her, you know, I was doing all that stuff. I was feeding her with straws and syringes and trying to keep her fed while she was, she was kind of comatose. And then one day she woke up and said, I'm hungry. And that was it. Boom. You know, up she went next six years, boom running all over my house under walker but i got the opportunity and you know to take care of her to the very end which is something i wouldn't trade for anything even though she had uh, you know mind issues don't know if she had alzheimer's or dementia or what was going on but she had mind issues but i lived in her world it was fun but one thing i knew that wasn't going to happen like it happened with my father was my mother hated hospitals, especially after my father died in one. So I knew the last place she wanted to be when she passed away was a hospital. So I wanted to make sure that she passed here. And she did. She, she passed in my other studio over there. But um, I just knew my mother, you know, and she, she, this is where she was comfortable, uh, you know, put up a Christmas tree for her because she loved Christmas. And, you know, we, I always made it a, a happy place for her to be, put her little her musicals on the TV and whatnot. But I experienced all that. I, I, I was with her the, the, the moment she died, you know, and it's, it's incredible. And being a ghost hunter, like I am, you know, I was looking for things. I was looking for the, the, those visitations that, that they get from, from the relatives just before they die. Like my father, for instance, when he passed away, his eyes were looking off to the right, like someone was standing in the doorway. So probably his mother or somebody had come to get him. My mother was seeing my grandmother. She was seeing my father. She, you know, she was seeing the, the different relatives in her bedroom. And, you know, and it wasn't scary because I knew what it was. I had prepped it just like before my dad. Up to a year before my dad died, this was his bedroom where the studio is. And he would lie in bed and his bed faced the bathroom back there. And he would see someone standing there in the bathroom or, or see somebody walk past the mirror and stuff bathroom and it turned out to be his, his older sister you know so i've experienced this stuff so i'm really excited to talk to this to to to, to jerry grace lyons tonight about all this stuff because jerry jerry grace lyons is a death doula and she's been around people that have passed away and she's also an expert on home funerals and stuff like that because i mean going to the mortuary that gets pricey that's expensive stuff. You know, my mom wanted a uh, pink casket and the whole shebang. And <laughs> when we went to, I hate to say it, we were making payments on it. But when we went to bury her, oh, my God. So I finally convinced her towards the last three months of her life that, you know, the Catholic Church, because she was Catholic, would accept cremation. And so I finally convinced her to do that. And I was able, we, we, were, we were able to cremate her and then put her with my dad, you know, with his remains. But I mean, it, it can get pricey. So we're going to talk to to to, to 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 Jerry Grace about that right now. So without fail, let, let me get her on. She could tell you about herself. She's not only a death doula, she's got all these titles that you guys should know about. And I think you're going to find that I, the, the show really interesting. Here we go. Hello. 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 I'm so happy to be here today. Thank you so much for inviting me. It's, it's a topic that people would think, well, why are they happy talking about it? But I mean, you know what? The coolest people I know 
our our death doulas and morticians and all this. In fact, my my niece. It was funny when I was having a funeral recently. Um, because we're ghost hunters, right? So we go. I go to the mortuary and they've got these really cool pens. <laughs> and they had the name of the mortuary on the side. I thought I'm going to grab a handful of those and give them to my ghost hunters. Just, just for the just for the humor of it all, my niece was like, "Why are you taking those?" And I said, "Because it's funny, <laughs> you know." But you, you you tend to get a weird sense of humor when you're around it all the time, you know. Yep. Very so tell me about you. Tell, tell everybody about you because you know, when people think of like death doulas and all that, they think you know that kind of thing. <laughs> well, and we actually were using the term death midwife. Um, interchangeably with death doula, uh, because a client, a client that I had early on, a woman who was dying from pancreatic cancer, she called me and my friend that was helping me, um, her death midwives. And we kind of thought, oh, I kind of like that. You know, that's, we're sort of helping midwife somebody into the next, wherever they're going. Their, you know, the next dimension or it's their next adventure, whatever. So I've used that term. I've used death midwife, death doula, um, end of life doula, uh, so many, and home funeral guide. Those are, uh, that's another term I use a lot because I'm, they're assisting the families when somebody dies uh, with the preparation of their body the sacred ceremony of washing them and anointing them with oils and then dressing them in whatever they want to be dressed in or the family chooses mm -hmm. and then laying them out. And that's the old uh, fashion, the old term that people used uh, back in the day when everybody took care of their own dead uh, is they laid them out in the parlor for people to come by, visit, pay their last respects Sometimes do some prayers and blessings and ceremony. Oops, sorry about that. Okay. Um, it was pretty. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll, I'm gonna. Well, I'll turn that off in a minute. Um, <laughs> and um, so, yeah. So that's what I do. And then we bring ice over to um, place the body on ice and keep them at home for as long as the family wants. And the usual amount of time is three days. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a, a time around the world that people have come to believe that it takes three days for the body to go through various transitions. Mm -hmm. um, and also for the family to absorb, integrate, process, that the person is no longer here in that body. They're not breathing anymore and they're not going to open their eyes and start talking to them. Um, it takes people time to get used to that. They're really dead. Mm -hmm. And they also see some visible changes uh, over those three days, but they're very subtle usually. And by the third day, the body looks more like, a bodysuit without anyone in there. <laughs> the spirit has flown. Mm -hmm. And that makes it easier for them a little bit to let go of that physical body because they can see that life force energy is just not there anymore. 
and they're not involved in, are they? No, no, none of the hundreds, I'd say at least 450 families that I've guided over the last 26 years, none of them have wanted embalming. They, they're all looking for something natural and, you know, so keeping them at home is a very natural thing to do. Um, they have access to putting on their favorite music for the person, uh, grabbing some beautiful objects that the person liked and putting that around them. Um, just, it just, and everyone feels more relaxed because they're in their own home environment. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a more gentle process for people. My question with that is too, is how, I mean, aren't there bodily fluids that, and I, I know this is yucky for people here, but aren't <laughs> there bodily fluids that, that will leak out within the first the first few days or, or, or does that not happen until later on? So when somebody dies at home and usually they're on hospice care mm -hmm. or they have full-time caregivers or the family is there full-time caring for them. It's when they actually stop their breathing and their heart stops. Um, there's not a lot of immediate change. People think the body's just going to be able to, it, it's going to break down and dissolve mm -hmm. and melt or whatever they think in their mind. But usually there's very, again, very subtle changes. They're, uh, if their skin is white, if they're Caucasian, it may become more pale as the blood starts to pool to the back of the body. Mm -hmm. um, but that also takes time. And so they really don't change that much. Now, if there were fluids collecting in the lungs because they couldn't clear that as they're in their dying process, those, those fluids may, when you turn the person to their side to wash their back, there may be some of that uh, fluid come out of the lungs mm -hmm. that collected there. And you just wipe it up like when they were alive. <laughs> it's just a little um, light brown uh, fluid. And um, they're, they're certainly their bladder will release anything in, the, in there because there's no more muscle control. Mm -hmm. Um, there's, you know, occasionally there's some bowel movement, but very rarely that I even see that. Um, but you would just clean them the way that the people had been cleaning them prior to them dying. Mm -hmm. Um, so it just, the care continues in the same way, but there's not going to be anything that their family's not used to dealing with already. Okay. And that was something I knew when my mother passed too, was that she wouldn't want to be dirty. You know, like when the coroner picked her up, that right. was something she didn't want. So I made sure afterwards that I gave her a bath, you know, so, so that she would smell good. And I'm glad I did because the stuff that happened afterwards was really cool because when she comes now to visit, I can smell her. Ah, uh, I have actually smelled the, um, there was a one woman I took care of, a uh, long time ago, and she had a favorite perfume. I think it was called Shalimar. And I knew that smell. And when I was with her caregiver and friend, 
at the doctor's office waiting to get a doctor's signature on the death certificate. Both of us smelled Shalimar <laughs> moving through the office. And she looked at me and said, did you smell that? And I said, I did. And she said, well, she's here. I said, I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I'm sure she is. <laughs> so I have, I know what you mean by visits. I've certainly had many, many signs over the years of people visiting me who have crossed over. Of course. Well, you're the last one they see, really. You know, let me ask you that with families, you know, families at that point, you know, they've got hospice coming in, more than likely they have hospice coming in. It, it, is it hard to have these discussions with them? You know, because some people really staunchly believe in funeral homes and all that. But is it hard to say, hey, look, there's another way we can do this? Well, if they've contacted me, they've already okay. read or heard me speak on a radio show, on a, you know, um, somewhere, sometime. I've, I've been at many conferences and many, many events where I've spoken about what I do. So people, it's like planting a seed. Um, talking about going back to our old ancestral ways, um, mm -hmm. you know, these ancient traditions that are very sacred and very beautiful. Um, and it just gets their mind moving a little. And they're like, oh, oh, you mean there's something other than the funeral homes that we can actually keep mom at home when she dies? You know, most people, that's the first question. Is that legal? Can you really do that? And um, yeah, I know it's one of the best kept secrets in this country, really, uh, that we really can take care of our own loved one when they die. Uh, we can wash them and dress them and keep them at home for several days. Um, there are some states, there's about 10 out of our 50 states that uh, we're people have to hire a funeral home for some part of the funeral. Uh, but the other 40 states, you can do everything, including, you know, filing the death certificate. You might not be able to bury on your own land because mm -hmm. if you, you know, if you live in a city or urban environment, you're, you know, that's not going to happen. Right. Um, some states make it more difficult for home burial than others. California is one of those states that makes it, more difficult, but people have done it. You know, you just have to go through all the steps. It, it's a to-do. <laughs> it's a to-do, but they certainly can go to a crematorium, help push the casket into the, um, into the chamber. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes start up, push the button to start the, the whole thing going, the fire. Um, or they could go to the, the cemetery. Um, most of them will let you dig a grave, but they'll mm -hmm. allow you to fill it in. And they'll allow you to lower the person mm -hmm. if they're in a shroud only. So I've been at many of those shroud only burials, green burials, we call them. And then following them, letting the person down either with ropes or straps or in some way getting them down, and then they'll fill in the grave, or at least part way, if not the whole thing. So people can participate in a lot more of it than they realize. I had a question today, before, even before the show, about what's the difference with 
you going out, you know, being there as opposed to um, hospice? Well, I'm sort of after beyond hospice. I'm beyond hospice. So hospice is there to assist the person in dying to be more comfortable, uh, hopefully to keep the pain managed if they're mm-hmm. in pain from cancer or something else, um, to make sure they get baths and to make sure the family's doing all right. And if they have any questions to answer their questions and to help prepare them by just usually their question by a social worker is, have you picked out a funeral home where the person's going to go after they die? Um, And that's as far as, so their work, which is very important work and very wonderful work, but it ends when the person takes their last breath, when it, when they die. And I come in hopefully before they die to plan out what they're going to do after. And so we're going to plan the home funeral and I'm often planning it with the family members, but sometimes the person who's dying wants to be part of that conversation as well. So um, I'm there to find out what music they might like played, what flowers they loved, um, who do they want to be in the room, who might they want to help wash their body. Um, and, you know, many questions like that, um, what room they want to lie in honor. That's the term we use, uh, for when people are laid out. Now we say lying in honor or lying in grace, uh, lying in love. You could say any of those, uh, during the time they're at home. And so I have a lot of questions, um, that I go through and I tell them what's going to happen, that we're going to bring the eyes that they can decorate a casket, especially for cremation. I can bring a cardboard cremation casket over to their home. The whole family can decorate it before the person died or after. Um, It's up to them. Um, And so, you know, we find out, are they choosing cremation or burial? All of those things and where and when and how that's going to unfold. How long do they want to remain at home? Mm -hmm. They may not know all these things up front. Um, and that's the beauty of a home funeral is that it's flexible. So you get to choose even after, you know, they might say, well, I think we just want mom home for a couple of days. And then we get to that and they go, wow, she looks so beautiful and peaceful. And we do have a relative coming from out of town. Can we do another day or two days? And I'll like, yeah, sure. We can keep it going. And I just keep bringing the ice and making sure everything's going fine. And um, so it's up to them. They get to make these decisions. It's really their thing, not mine. Mm -hmm. I'm just there to meet their needs, whatever they are. When you talk about ice, what kind of ice? Because I don't, I mean, I don't think it's the stuff you use in your refrigerator, is it? Not usually. I use dry ice to begin with and depends on how long they're going to be at home. If somebody just wants to be at home overnight, like they just wash the body, lay them out, have a few people visit, and then they want to go, they want them to leave the next day. Um, I, ice might not even be needed of any form. And as long as, you know, it's like we're not in a hundred degree weather and their body's looking like it's, you know, starting to break down because, you know, sometimes cancer 
and other diseases can start breaking the body down long before they die. So uh, we're there to, you know, like with the essential oils and the, the washing we do, we hardly ever have any trouble with odors. And then the dry ice continues that process. But again, if it's just 24 to 36 hours, you might not need any ice. Um, and if they're going to do three, four, five days at home, I'm going to start with dry ice. And I may interchange another ice called Cooler Shock ice. Cooler Shock is, um, they're, uh, they're kind of, they kind of look like those gel packs, but they're, the stuff inside makes them last a lot longer. Uh, the, the cold, the freezing. So you get them, you fill them with water, you put them in your freezer and then they're frozen. Then you can use them and interchange them with the dry ice. And then um, when you're done with them, you can refreeze them. You know, I just, cause they, we wrap them in things, towels and stuff. So they're not really ever touching the body. And they're great for people who want to use them for shopping, um, anything else in their life that you want to keep cold. They're, they're just great. And they're always in our freezer and they come in two sizes. So we put a smaller piece on top and a couple of the large ones underneath them. They're back. The, the organs is what you want to keep cold. Right, right, right. When, when, when you get called out to go somewhere, you know, to do this and some, and, 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 and say you run into the person that, that's dying, you, you talk to the person that's dying, how is their response to you being there? Well, they're usually, they've already probably given permission to their family to do okay. what I'm there for. Um, and those that want to be a part of the conversation, um, mm -hmm. that, you know, there might be parts of the conversation I'm not discussing with the family right at that time, um, such as how to close their mouth if they, when they die, their mouth is wide open. Mm -hmm. um, and I, you know, I discuss with the family later or at a different area <laughs> um, to roll a washcloth and put a, a bandage around it, tie it up over the head so their mouth is closed really tight until rigor mortis sets in like that. Um, so there's a few things I, I don't feel they need to hear about right. unless they really show a curiosity about it. It's up to them, you know, it's up to them, but mostly uh, they're curious to hear what's going to happen to them and be a part of them, put their two cents in. Well, I like, I like purple. So are you going to decorate my, um, I don't know the, the, place I'm lying in honor, you know, that whether it's a hospital bed or a massage mm -hmm. table, you know, are you, can, do you have any purple fabric? <laughs> and I do, as a matter of fact, <laughs> I have different color fabrics, many, I have three or four bags of different color fabrics. So I can, um, we can help decorate their whole room with fabric if they want, or, get, get rid of the hospital equipment and, uh, all the, paraphernalia and make it look beautiful in the room where people are going to come and meditate with them or visit them. You see, you know, you, you say this and then I think of those burials and was it Puerto Rico? That one company over there that put them on motorcycles and all this. Other, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The guys that dance too. Have you seen those? Seen those guys, yeah. All bearers that dance. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> 
I just think I think that's so cool. I really they do, do whatever because, they want. Hire anybody they want. You know, the guy that's sitting there watching watching the football game, you know, with the remote control in his hand. That's cool. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Have you what? You know, without giving names, of course. What, what's been your most interesting one that 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 you've done? Oh boy. <laughs> oh, so there's so many. I mean, most most of them follow a very natural and more on the simple side of doing things. But um, I love watching them decorate the caskets because they can, they go all out. Some of them do, um, oh, you know, a, a, a whole collage of, of pictures on the outside and, and put handprints all inside um, where the body, so it looks like the body's going to be received by all these hands of, of their loved one. Um, so I, I, I really enjoy that. Um, we've gone to burial, one burial where everybody threw candy kisses into the grave <laughs> instead of flowers <laughs> because the woman loved candy kisses. I and, that. My mother loves sweets. <laughs> so it's so interesting to see what people will come up with. Mm -hmm. um, so one family, there was a lot of uh, grandma died and they found a lot of lace pieces in her sewing room. And one of the daughters took it on to sew all the pieces together and make kind of like a patchwork quilt out of these lace pieces and they used it to lay over the top of her so beautiful um so one family did lit sparklers uh as oh actually they did firecrackers as we <laughs> were leaving um so that was a kind of a surprise to everybody they didn't tell anybody it was kind of like <laughs> we were all like oh <laughs> so um yeah, people will come up with interesting, uh, interesting thing. One friend of ours who, who we had her shrouded um, after she died. We wrapped her in this purple shroud, and she uh, she didn't have a great diet. She did incredible readings for people. She was very psychic, um, and but they so over the shroud they put a I think it was. It was a donut or a bagel or something where her mouth was. And then they stuck a cigarette out of it. <laughs> People do have some fun with this because she smoked all the time. She right. loved donuts or bagels or whatever it was. So people will, that's, that's what's so great is people will think about who the person was in life and they'll, you know, one person got um, Volkswagen, a material a fabric that was printed with Volkswagens because that person who died, he, he worked on Volkswagens all the time. He loved them. So they lined the whole casket with material that had Volkswagen material. Oh, cool. Yeah. So people will, uh, one, one, and I, again, it's, it's who the person is. One guy was a race car driver. He wasn't, um, he didn't die that way. But his uh, friends decorated it like it looked like a sports car. It had a number on it with the little checkered flag, the whole thing. 
So I like seeing how people think about the person and what would they have wanted or what, what they think about, you know, them. Right. It's, it fits, suits their personality. Right, right, right. And one other <laughs> question is you have a, you, you speaking of personality, you have an upbeat personality. <laughs> Me? I, I think, you know, like, like I said earlier, <laughs> When you're around stuff like that, because I, I, I was a court crime reporter. So uh -huh. I was out on scene for the fatal accidents, you know, and all this. And I used to like, I used to get irritated with the police because they have a weird sense of humor too. But as, as I did it, you know, as, as, towards the fifth year of doing what I was doing, I got like that too. But uh, how do you like get into what, you, to what you're doing and then get to the point where you're at? Have you always had this personality or did it come because... You're dealing with this all the time. Well, okay. So my beginnings were my friend, Carolyn Whiting, who was a nurse and she was also a Reiki master. She did energy work as well as conventional Western medicine. So she did both. And uh, she was taking care of an older woman in her home. And she, after breakfast said she wasn't feeling well. She had a history of asthma. They called 911. The paramedics came quickly. They worked on her. They weren't able to resuscitate her. <clears throat> Excuse me. They weren't able to keep her alive. She was still barely alive when they got there. Um, so they pronounced her on the way to the hospital. Uh, she had written out instructions saying that she wanted her friends to take care of her at home when she died, not be turned over to a mortuary. Mm -hmm. And she had given those instructions to her close friend, Norma in San Francisco. And she had a card in her wallet that said, call Norma in the event that I die. So she was very psychic, also very psychic. She um, prepared way in advance. And uh, she was only 56 years old when she died. So, when we did get her home from the hospital the next day and we were washing her, I mean, we, you know, we were, had all a roller coaster of emotions. We were, we were really sad because we didn't, and mad because we didn't get to say goodbye to her. Um, but we also felt her sense of humor there. And cause Carolyn, she had a great sense of humor too. And so she, you know, she had us laughing too. And in fact, she communicated directly with me the next day um, after we cared for her body, laid her out, did a whole day of an evening of uh, singing, chanting, praying uh, with her in the middle of the room mm -hmm. and telling stories about her, which some of them were pretty funny. Um, the next morning, I wasn't going to go back to the to the house because I thought I had a whole lot of appointments. I was doing body work, different kind of body work. <laughs> I was doing massage and um, uh, different different uh, mediums. And I, Carolyn said, go back to the house. And I had never had that experience before. I never had somebody speak to me from the other side. Hmm. Um, and I, it was like, where did that come from? You know? And then I just started crying because I knew it was her. And I knew she was telling me I needed to go back. And I did go back to the house. And um, 
and it my whole day of appointments canceled they just canceled i didn't cancel they canceled and so i felt like okay spirit is <laughs> directing me to stay with everybody who is caring for carolyn's body and taking her to the crematorium and then having lunch together and i was again gonna leave and then no that appointment canceled too so then we all had lunch it was like the last supper kind of we were all and then we were laughing and we were joyful and somebody said shouldn't we i mean carolyn's being cremated shouldn't we all be like crying or sad or something and in that moment we were feeling her energy with us all and and every everybody sensed that and she would she was happy that we were all together i know she was and then you know so then from that you know i just wanted to tell everybody i knew that there's this incredible way that we could take care of our own loved ones that mm -hmm. i didn't know about before and that was so beautiful. And we, you know, we had surrounded her in gardenias, which was her favorite flower. And um, so then I, I ended up calling a group of people to my home about a year and a half later. And we started the Natural Death Care Project. That's what we called ourselves then, which is now transitioned into Final Passages, which is a nonprofit educational organization. And, um, yeah, we all came together. Um, I just, I don't know. I just feel like you, I mean, after you're around death a while, um, you just, you see both sides. You see the, the immense sadness that people, the sorrow that they're going through and their grief. And I feel very compassionate toward them. And I'm there with my compassionate heart. And when I'm out talking with people, I get, I try to lighten death up a bit because people can hear it more when, when it's a light, when there's some laughter. And at one point I had a skeleton skull on a stick that came from Bali. And, and uh, my stepdaughter ended up saying, he looks he looks cold. Do you have anything I can dress him in? <laughs> I said, he's a, he's a stick with a skull. I don't know. You know, so we got creative. I got, <laughs> I got some leggings. She put that on the pole. She got a hat and put it on the skull and a tie around his neck. And she, you know, before I knew it, she had him, had a t-shirt on him and all kinds of things. And so then uh, I thought, wow, I wonder what his name is. And um, I heard, um, I heard Ezekiel. That's no. what, and I said, Ezekiel, <laughs> that's, I said, well, you look ancient enough to be <laughs> Ezekiel. And I said, I said, but that's a long name. Can I just call you something short, like EZ? And he said, okay. And I said, so, what's your last name? And he said, death, of course. <laughs> I went, oh, easy death. I get it. Easy death. So, you know, and then he kept this routine going with me for a long time. He just kept giving me all these little funny 
puns and jokes and stuff. And so I would go out to some of the senior places and I would tell them these funny stories. And I'd said, you know, when my stepdaughter dressed him and I looked at him, I said, yeah, he, you're right. He's not cold anymore. He looks like death warmed over. <laughs> and That's so funny. I would just, <laughs> I just have these little crazy jokes and, and, and that people in our little town here where I live in Sebastopol, they would, um, they would, my friends would always see me at the grocery store and say, so how's that, that, that they couldn't remember, but that death thing that, how is that going? <laughs> I'd say, well, you know, I have so much work to do. I'm buried. I feel like I'm buried six feet under, <laughs> but it's okay. <laughs> We're alive and well, <laughs> people are dying to work with me. That's right. <laughs> They're dying to line up and work with you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like this, I, this other question too is I know there's a lot of advertisements for natural burials, you know, like like be part of the tree and all this. How popular is that becoming? Um, uh, green burials or, yeah, green burials. Uh, and I mean, there's a lot of different things now. There's green burial where the, there's no vaults in the ground, no cement vaults in the ground, right. and the body's being placed in the earth. Um, sometimes just wrapped in a shroud or a biodegradable casket. And I think more people are learning about that all the time. The green burial movement has also been growing steadily. Um, more people want to go back to the old ways, not, not the lawn cemeteries where they use herbicides and pesticides and water and all the resources and, and expensive, you know, precious wood caskets that take, hundreds of years to grow and you know so people are more conscious ecologically and so more people are as they learn about this they want this and um there's also recompose well sorry that's the name of a business up in in washington natural organic reduction um which is uh which is a, a way of composting a body. Uh, the body's laid on a tray with enzymes and wood chips and different materials that break the body down quickly. And they're, they're put into a chamber. It takes about four to six weeks and the body becomes soil. And that soil can be used to reforest land. It's not usually used to grow food, but it's, it is reforesting. Mm -hmm. um, so a lot of people, that appeals to a lot of people. They want to be composted. <laughs> the one too, the artificial wreath thing too. The the artificial what wreath? Oh, oh, the wreath balls. Yeah, the wreath balls. Wreath balls. Yeah. So their ashes are mixed with cement, and they're dropped to the bottom of the ocean, and that allows the coral to grab hold and come back. Because drag the drag fishing that those net drag net fishing, whatever, however you say that, right. it, it drags the coral and kills them. And then the fish have no habitat. So people have come up with that to replace the coral. Also there's the aquamation or water cremation. And that's a huge chamber where the body's placed inside stainless steel chamber with heat, steam, lye, and then it's, um, it takes about an hour, hour and a half. And the body's reduced to bone and a coffee colored liquid, which is sterile. And, and so a lot of people are thinking that, but it is, it is definitely 
um, has less of a carbon footprint than uh, fire cremation. Fire cremation uses a lot of fuel. Mm -hmm. Water cremation does not. It uses some water, some heat, and some electricity, but it still, they have shown that it uses a lot less, you know, of the resources that mm -hmm. um, are important to us. So that is going to become very popular, I think. It, it has been improved in 18 states. It's interesting, you know, and I think the next generation coming up, I don't, not so much my generation, but the next generation coming up behind me, they're very all of, you know, they're very into the environment. So you, so there's going to be more and more of that, I think. Absolutely. Absolutely. More people will move toward all of those water cremation. Uh, yeah. Natural organic reduction and, um, and green, you know, the green barrel is, is still a beautiful way. Um, there are people that are doing vertical burial with trees on top. I don't know of any around here, but I have heard of that. Mm -hmm. um, people planting trees, uh, the bodies, you know, going in vertically versus horizontally. So a lot of people are coming up. There was uh, also some woman in Sweden who came up with um, nitrogen, um, uh, using nitrogen to freeze the body. And then the body was put into a machine where it's all shaken and the body is reduced to a powder. Okay. <laughs> so, but they haven't found a, I don't think they've found an inexpensive way to, to, uh, to do that here yet. Anyway. Jen, so, well, your topic perfect. Jen just asked me about price. She says, does it cost me, um, I guess she's talking about the, the natural ways. Does it cost 15K like a regular funeral? Well, no. I mean, when I help, when I help a family, it depends on what they choose. Uh -huh. With cremation, you're looking at being everything included could be 3,000 or less. If the family's doing it themselves, it could be less than a thousand if they're doing it without any assistance there, we do have a guidebook called creating home funerals on our website, finalpassages.org. And they, a lot of people have bought our uh, guidebook and they then there it is. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So um, they'll buy that. And uh, it's got how to fill out and file the death certificate in there and how to wash the body and care for the body. And there's all, also a section on pre-planning, um, all the things that we talked about earlier that they can fill in the blank and, and also estate things like, you know, what's your, where's your um, bank accounts and all those things for their kids they can leave behind or your sister, brother, relatives. Um, so people have gotten that and, uh, if they have enough help, uh, they, and they feel they can take that on and they do it themselves. Uh, they've been able to do it for under a thousand. It depends on the cost of the crematorium nearest you. And, and I advise people to call around. Don't just take the first place or the place closest to where you live. Uh, definitely call um, as many in your area as you can, because you'll find that funeral homes will offer the same service 
uh, the exact same services and charge vastly different prices. Because hmm. some of them are owned by their local, you know, local, locally owned, and others are part of big corporations. Hmm. And if they're corporate owned, their prices might be a lot higher. So, you know, they all try to stay within the same amount of the, as each other, but but it can be quite different. I work with a funeral home in our area for direct cremation. And that means they just pick up the body, store it in the refrigerator, get the paperwork done, cremate the body, and then return the ashes to the family. And that for all that, it's called direct cremation 1400. Mm -hmm. Whereas there's another place in our area that for the exact same service is 2,500. Oh, okay. So that's direct cremation. And then, you know, what, what I ask of a family varies a lot because it depends on what the family's needs are, what they're asking me. Some of them want me to just help them with paperwork. Some of them want me to come over and help with the washing of the body and then you know, and maybe they're laid out and the next day they're calling the funeral home and that my job is done then. Others want me to do all of it and, you know, maintain the ice for three, four or five days and then help them put the person in the casket and help them get the casket into a vehicle and drive mm -hmm. to the, wherever they're going. And so a lot more time is involved in what I do. So it just depends on you know, there's a range, but um, I'm still for all that I do. I can tell you that what we ask is still fairly more than reasonable. And uh, we do work with people too, when they're really struggling and, you know, we try to negotiate some with them, especially if they can do some pieces of it, some parts mm -hmm. of it. Um, so we're not doing it all. And, and we don't do it all anyway, because as I tell families. We're not funeral directors. We're not here to do it all for you. We're here to coach you, instruct you, educate you, and assist you, support you. So we're there to do it with them, not for them. I have a question. I mean, that, that, kind of nagging at the back of my mind. What if it's a situation where, like with my mother passing away, I mean, they knew she was sick, Yet they had to take her to the corners, you know, to verify all that. So what happens in a situation like that? If people want their, their, their loved one home, yet they have to be taken to the coroner's office. Well, in our area, um, yes, I do teach that in my classes, by the way. We have three, three levels of our courses. Pre, uh, it's really more conscious dying and preparing for your own death. The second part is about the home funeral and green burial options and how to care for a body and how to do all the things I do. The third part is, um, is, uh, it includes grief and we have people do uh, kind of a, a role play of a home funeral and we have guest speakers. We talk about all different options. It's, it's very long and involved, but, but to answer your question, <clears throat> um, what I tell people is I teach people is when it's a corner case and when it's not. 
So people, if the if there's no doctor to sign off on a death certificate, pretty much you can you can you can just say to yourself, okay, there's no doctor that'll sign a death certificate stating the cause of death. That means I better call authorities or a funeral home. Because a doctor, an MD, must sign that death certificate stating the cause of death. And if nobody knows why they died, then there has to be a coroner investigation. Mm-hmm. Once that investigation is complete, whether they decide to do an autopsy or not, mm-hmm. the family has the right to go and get that body and bring it back home. Okay. I wondered how that it's, works. It's, it's not always easy for a family to take that piece on. And so that's where they might want somebody who's been around this or done this, help people with it to be there, especially if they've had an autopsy, because that's, that's more challenging. There's more to do. It's, it's, yeah, it's, there's more fluids. There's there's just more to deal with. And it's going to leave it at that, but it's more to cover up more. Yeah. 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 More to cover up. Yeah. You know about autopsy. So, but sometimes they just need to investigate and they go, okay, we talked to a doctor, you know, they were 95 and they're like, yeah, it's, you know, multiple organ. Blah. Their last doctor they saw said they'll sign off now. And okay. So, you you know, they won't do the autopsy, but it's. I think, that's what, happened, I think that's what happened with my mom because I know when I finally got the paperwork after, you know, after the funeral and everything, all that was on there was uh, failure to thrive. So, I mean, the doctor was already aware of, you know, what was going on with her anyway. So they just figured she just wasn't responding, which she wasn't towards the end, you know, and that kind of thing. Yeah. So I was curious about that because I was wondering if it complicated your your, your guys' role in setting this stuff up. You know, if, if the body had to go to coroner, then it had to come back. It does. I mean, there's more to do. And I would bring mm-hmm. in more, more of our, we kind of have a team. There's mm-hmm. a, I've trained a, a number of people in our area. So there's other people I'll take out, you know, maybe several to help the family with that part. Cause there's just more to do. And, um, but, but it can be done. That's, that's the most important part is that people go, Oh, well, you know, it's now we just have to turn it over to a funeral home. And I go, no, you don't, you don't have to. I mean, even if they were murdered, even if they were, they hung themselves, any of those things, we've had home funerals for people like that. Mm-hmm. You mentioned mm-hmm. conscious death. What is conscious death? Conscious dying. dying really yeah. Conscious dying. And it can be conscious death too, I guess. Uh, that might be, that might be another category though. That's kind of a scary category, but yeah. <laughs> conscious dying. Well, conscious death could fall under the the maid, you know, medical aid in dying, which is legal in eleven states now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's people choosing to end their life with medicine. Okay. Okay. And that's, that's, that I would call conscious death. Conscious dying is really more about being willing to prepare for one's own death. Um, being a, being willing to talk about it, uh, dealing with unfinished business, um, writing forgiveness letters to people, uh, asking, you know, just talking to people that you've been at, you know, in, in 
in some sort of conflict with. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, um, you could be doing a legacy project, mm-hmm. such as um, a photo album or some other. I mean, there's so many different legacy projects people do, um, putting things together in a book of some kind or leaving messages, writing letters. All of those can be legacy, you know, writing about what was meaningful to you, like a, an ethical will, mm-hmm. um, which is where people will write you know, how they found value in life for different things, um, how they fell in love, how they learned to forgive someone or anyone, you know, these are valuable things that we can leave for other people. Um, all these things we've learned, you know, especially when you've had lots of years of wisdom, it's nice to leave that behind for loved ones. Um, so conscious dying is about, it's, it's a lot about, preparing and doing it with some thought and care, not just for oneself, but for those they leave behind. Um, yeah. Thinking about what, what gifts you brought to the world and uh, maybe even regrets what you didn't say, what you didn't do that you wish you had. Mm-hmm. It's all those things, many things. You made me think about, that because I lost a friend in February and she was really into Disney and we would talk about Disney on a daily basis and I you know laugh and say well when you go to the park you look for the hidden Mickeys yeah I look for the hidden Mickeys in fact her last wish was to go to Disneyland and that's what happened she went and then she passed away in Anaheim huh the, as the story goes she's a ghost hunter like I am and I I, I ended up getting all her equipment what I found funny was that as I was going through her, the stuff that she gave me, I found a little Mickey, a little statue of Mickey, hidden at the bottom of this big box. And it was wrapped up. And the first thing I thought was, hidden Mickey. <laughs> Beautiful. It was on purpose, you know. But I thought it was great because she put a lot of thought into that, you know, knowing six months before that that she had planned. In fact, this death wasn't sudden. She had had a lot of health problems, so she had planned. She called me six months before and said, look, I'm going to do this uh-huh. in February. You know, I'm sorry, but I just can't deal with my health anymore and blah, blah, blah. And it was upsetting, but I mean, she planned, She did it her way. She planned it out. She got to go to Disneyland for the last time. But to think of the thought that actually went into wrapping this, 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 this little Mickey statue that couldn't have been more than half an inch tall, you know, and wrapping it up and hiding it in this little box way down at the bottom of this other box. That was her, tell, you know, telling me, "Hey, yeah, this is about our hidden Mickey talks, things like that." You know, I love that. I love that. You know, yeah. that that's that's a piece of conscious dying. Yeah, it's leaving little messages behind for others to find. Yeah. That you know, it's going to touch their heart. You know, it's going to. It can make you laugh. It can make you cry. It could are all of the above, right? Mm-hmm. Or these people that do videos too, you know, if you if you see this video, I'm probably dead, but blah, blah, blah you know, the, you know, they go on and talk about themselves or if they have a little, little kid, you know, by now you're 18 and, uh, you know, <laughs> and then they go through all that too. It's very interesting to me. What you do is very interesting to me. Well, it's, um, I love it. I love, because what I love most is watching the families go through transformation Mm -hmm. 
when I first meet with them, there's a lot of times there's anxiety and fear about that the person's going to die and when is it going to happen? How is it going to happen? Um, or they might just be anxious because the person's in pain. Um, and, and then to think what it's going to be like afterwards. And that's a lot for them to think it's overwhelming sometimes. Mm -hmm. But when we actually get to that, when the person does stop, die, it's almost like, oh, it's, it's peaceful now. Mm -hmm. They're at, they're at peace and, and they're here in our home and we can take care of them. And there's, I just watch them transform from fear to love. They just go into this very loving place and they feel, they feel the, you could call it love. You could call it God. You could call it angels. You could call it the light. You can call it nature, whatever you want to call it, but they feel it. And it's, it's bigger than them. It's huge and it fills the room mm -hmm. and, and they feel it and their hearts are just, they open like a lotus flower, you know, and they're just, they're receiving all this love and feeling all this love and, and they're, their their the expression on their faces is is relaxed mm -hmm. it's you know all that fear and anxiety just melts away and they're right there in the present moment being right with their person they loved and attending to them as they as they had but it's it's just um it's that transformation watching them go from fear and anxiety to love and, and to, and at peace, being at peace, that, that feeds my soul. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. that's why, that's why I love doing it. Absolutely. You uh, mentioned when, I, when we were going back and forth with emails that you're going to be teaching. Yes, I am teaching the second level of our work, but people, they stand alone. So people can jump into level two before they do level one. Um, and level two is all about the home funeral. And like I said, green burial and other options. We talk about all those ones we mentioned today, but we show little videos, we show films. I have longer videos too on actually showing people how, because it's on Zoom. Mm -hmm. How, how to take care of the body, how to turn them, how to wash them, how to anoint them, how to, how to lift and carry them, how to use dry ice. Cause there's a, there's a, there's quite a bit to know about the use of dry ice <laughs> and um, how to place it, where to place it, all that stuff. So it gives great detail on the care of the body. So, um, and then also on green burial and what that's all about. And we show lots of films and videos and things. And then we do, we do some time in breakout rooms for people to, you know, like uh, what, what would you carry in your midwife kit? Mm -hmm. If you were a home funeral guide like me, what would you arrive at the house to care for somebody? What would be in your suitcase, kit, box, whatever, what would you bring? And we have them go in a breakout room and figure it out. <laughs> uh, stuff like that. 
you know, and how to use essential oils and why use them and all of this. Do you think that dealing with people when, when you get on scene is something that can be learned in a classroom? Or is it something that people that people like people like you, you know, you, you gradually get a feel for? Because I, I can tell you my mother, her reaction to somebody like you coming in would be like, eh, it's Dr. <laughs> Death, you know? So how do you, you know, I, I know because obviously people call you, but still, you're still going to get that reaction. Not every family member is going to be, you know, well, if they, you know, if it doesn't, yeah, if it doesn't sound like it's for them, I refer them to a funeral home. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Simple. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just, you know, I'm not going to try to talk somebody into this ever. Right. Right. But I'm just saying, you know, how do you um, approach the family as a whole? Because, uh, you know, obviously, like you say, they call you, but there's still going to be people like my mother. You know, ooh, ooh, Doctor Death, Doctor Death. So, I mean. You, you're not going to walk in there all, all chipper and happy either when you walk in. So what type of demeanor do you try to have when you, when you do enter these scenes? Uh, compassion, professional, uh, just listening, good listening, seeing what different family members, what their questions are, mm -hmm. trying to satisfy those questions. Um now I've had people come to me and say, this just is exactly what I want. But my brother yeah, isn't on board at all. So he thinks it's horrible. And I go, well, which one of you usually ends up winning <laughs> the argument? <laughs> and if uh, she says, he does, I go, well, maybe this isn't the time in your life to create more separation since you're losing your mom. That's already a big thing. Mm -hmm. Maybe you don't want to create more, you know, distance mm -hmm. from your brother. So here's a suggestion. You know, if, one, look for a compromise. Maybe he'll let you just do the washing of the body, dressing him, and then you call the funeral home. You know, feel it if he doesn't mind you doing that, just that part of it. And some people go, oh, yeah, okay. We don't have to do the whole three days. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I'll say, you know, if it, if it really is going to be upsetting to a number of people in your family, why don't you just, you know, go along with whatever their plans are for the funeral and then later get your friends together, get a group of friends, people that you feel safe with and comfortable with, bring pictures you could even get a cardboard box if you want, decorate it. Go through a role play as though your sister was, or whoever it was who died, mom died, mm -hmm. as though she was right there with you. And do what you would have done. You know, I mean, you can't actually wash her body, maybe, but you could lay out clothes and you could do your ritual or prayers or ceremony or whatever it is you would have liked to have done. That's different from the, you know, what your brother wants. And so, you know, like some of them have done that, taken me up on that. God, yeah. Okay. You know, cause it's a hard time to fight the family mm -hmm. for, for that. And, um, I don't, I don't want to, I don't, I don't want to see them going through more grief then they have to. Absolutely. I want to thank you for coming on. This hour has blown by. 
you let me pick your brain. It was great. Thank you so much. You know, yeah. and I, I learned a lot too that there are alternatives for that. I don't have anybody old left in my family anymore, but, <laughs> but who knows? You never know, right? But, um, you know, I have a friend. It can be a friend who's. I had a friend who had passed away and, and they did lay the body out of the house. Okay. I, I, you know, I've been to one of those funerals that way within the last 10 years, but I just, I didn't know how people went about doing it. You know, if, if, if there were a lot of, papers to sign if you had to jump through hoops or whatever with the county or or you know however that works in california because you know california is just the most anal state there <laughs> um paperwork can be tricky different counties treat it differently you have every person has the right to file their the death certificate in this but you know not all Office of Vital Records, where you file, are going to treat you the same way. Mm -hmm. And they're if they haven't heard of this, I mean, they're going to like uh, roll their eyes, you know, and maybe not greet you in the way they should because they work for the public, right? Not for the funeral homes, but sometimes you, <laughs> sometimes they act like that. Um, our county has been wonderful. There's mm -hmm. a few counties in our Bay Area that are wonderful. Some in other parts of the state have resisted helping families. Mm -hmm. And that isn't right. It should be challenged because mm -hmm. we do have, and people should call the state um, cemetery and funeral bureau um, and put in a complaint or tell them, you know, that this is going on and because they really need to help people do this. Mm -hmm. So, that end of it can be a little challenging depending on where you live. But if a family knows their rights and they're willing to stand up for their rights and go in there and say, no, you know, I know I have the right. And it's in the California Cemetery and Funeral Bureau. It's in their booklet that the state puts out. It says mm -hmm. right in there that they have a right to take care of the body at home, et cetera. So that's, okay. yeah. We have the legal right. We actually have the legal right to do it. Good to know. Yeah. Good to know. Thank you so much for having me on. I thank you for coming on. If people want to sign up for your class, how do they do it? Um, finalpassages.org. O-R-G. And um, yeah, we've got it. Level two is coming up in another week and a half. Um, we also have some. Scholarship discounts for people if they've had a rough time with COVID and the whole thing, they can call me, talk to me about it. And I've been, I give discounts to people who are in a rough place. Absolutely. Again, I want to thank you so much. It was fantastic. I learned a lot from you about this. Thank you. You know, you, you, you go through life dealing with the mortuaries. You think you know it, you know, but uh, you, you, you taught me all kinds of stuff tonight. <laughs> that's great i'm glad about dealing with that so if i run into another death somewhere along the line which who knows you never know could be my own i don't know you know the, the world keeps spinning i'll know how to deal with it better and the questions to ask so i thank you so much yeah you can send people to our website and they can that call me I, i'm one of those crazy people that answers their phone <laughs> absolutely, absolutely and i'll help people on the phone as much as i can all right well thank you so much and you have a great rest of the evening okay you too. I will. Thanks very right. much. Thank you All so right. much. Bye-bye. All right. 
So yeah, I learned a lot. I hope you guys did too. You know, death isn't—it's not very—it's not a scary thing. In fact, when she was talking about realizing that the woman was a shell, that happened to me. I was out on the assignment. At, well, it was a big accident on the freeway. Not a big accident, but it was the wife of a prominent person in this town I was working in. And I remember going out to the accident scene. And of course, it had to be 105 outside, so the freeway was like 120. So you know, and you 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 do as a reporter, you do a lot of standing around at accident scenes. And so they had covered up the side the, the side window on this vehicle, so you couldn't see the bodies in the car. And another reporter from another paper had gone over and taken the the plastic sheet off and I was about three feet away from this body and that's when it occurred to me I was standing there and I thought it's not her anymore it's just a shell she, 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 she's not there there's nothing there so that's when it hit me that there you know that that once the once the soul goes or the essence goes they're a shell and that was before I even was doing ghost hunting so you know you learn that stuff out in the field anyway tomorrow's going to be interesting because we have a surprise guest now, I'm not going to say give hints because it could be me. Because I have a lot to talk about that I would like to share with you guys. I, I could be the guest tomorrow. It could be somebody talking about alien encounters. Could be anybody. So you're going to have to tune in tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. Pacific to find out. Okay? Friday, we're doing a show because Nancy Matt is, is going to stop in. And we're going to have a great topic to talk about with her. I know you guys like Nancy, so she's going to be coming in. So Friday, we're going to be here with Nancy. But tomorrow, it's going to be a surprise guest. You're going to have to come pot, come check it out, okay? That's what we're going to do tomorrow, all right? If you like the show, share it with five people. If you hated the show, share it with five of your enemies. Of course, we're equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio. And if you are watching from YouTube, please subscribe. You know, we're looking to build up our, 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 our subscribers. And, yes. By clicking the little guy down the corner. Yes, thanks to, thanks for letting me know. By, by clicking the little guy down the corner, subscribe. Also, I'm going to be teaching a ghost hunting 101 class on, on May 21st, uh, Saturday at 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. And California Haunts has a meetup. So you go to California Haunts meetup at I mean, I mean, CaliforniaHauntsMeetup.org. Sign up over there for the class. And I'm going to teach you uh, how to use how how to use basic protocols out in the field. And this applies to whether you have an investigation group or whether you're just going out for fun. You can use these protocols to get better evidence. Because if you go out and try to get an EVP evidence and there's a bunch of noise in the background or, you're, or, or, or your friend is making funny noises, you might as well throw the stuff out, anything you get out, because there's no controls over that, okay? You're going to want to go out and get the cleanest evidence you can get. And I'll teach you how to do that, even if you're in a big group. I have done investigations where there's karaoke parties going down in the bar below us. And we've gotten really good EVPs out of it. Okay? So I've handled all that. Crowds, parties, you name it. I've done it. So I can, so I'm going to teach you guys how to do that. So go ahead and visit our meetup. Sign up for the class. You can learn how to do all that. Website's almost caught up for the radio show. Give me another night. Boom. CaliforniaHauntsRadio.com will be set up. Also... Uh, as I mentioned earlier in the show, for the people uh, listening to the podcast, if you want to donate and you haven't been able to, because I always give the information so fast, there is. if you go to the RSS page for California Haunts Radio, there is a donate button there now. So you can donate. It'll take you directly to our, our PayPal page. See, we're, we're moving up, I tell you. Moving on up. Um, I really appreciate everybody who's been listening to us. 
our number our numbers tripled last month as far as the podcast goes fantastic i'm excited about that and again uh we as, as we are, are we don't operate as a nonprofit, but it's a hot this is all um like a hobby almost for all for everybody on the team but i'm the one that holds the purse strings so what happens is if equipment breaks i got to pay for it you know like the internet for the show and, and the show itself i got to pay for it mics headphones whatever comes out of my pocket and i could always use some help this is like i said earlier this is my gig so if you could find it in your heart to donate that would be great at paypal.me at california haunts or if you have a venmo account go to venmo type in california haunts you can do it there or again go to the rss feed hit the donate button and, it, and it's it's that easy but again i want to thank everybody for coming you know we're an hour early today but i want to thank you all and i'm going to give you her contact information you can get her you can get that book which, which is essentially three three booklets on their website as well you know to so you can learn a little bit about you know funerals and stuff at home like, like that but again i will see you tomorrow and it's either going to be me yakking in your ear which would be kind of fun because i have great things to tell stories to tell or i'm going to have a really cool guest on all right so we'll see how it plays out tomorrow I'll, i'm going to be surprised tomorrow too all right let's just put it that way it not only will be a surprise for you it'll be a surprise for me Anyway, I will see you tomorrow. And then remember, Friday, 6.30 p.m. Pacific, Nancy Matz is going to be here. So we're going to try and pick out a really cool topic to talk about for you guys. And we might even talk her into doing some readings. We'll see. Okay? No promises, but we'll see. All right. So here we go. Let's get our website up. And that would be finalpassages.org. And I'll say it again, finalpassages.org. And then you've got the book that, you know, uh, the, the, the three books in the system that you can get, but that's only available on her website. The other thing I want to add is we finished our book last Sunday, but we're starting a new book this Sunday. And I talked with Rebecca Pittman, who's been a regular guest on this show. And she has given me permission to pick one of her books that she's written and read it. So I'm thinking we're going to, read about Lizzie Borden starting Sunday. So that'll be the new book coming up. Okay. So anyway, I just want to share that with you too. So anyway, I'm going to shut up now and I'm going to get off the air here and enjoy the rest of my evening. And I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your evening. And again, I will see you tomorrow at 6 30 PM Pacific. Here we go.